All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to episode five of Frankly Speaking. I'm Daily Faceoff Hockey Insider Frank Saravalli, and this is our weekly interview series where we go one-on-one with some of the biggest names in the hockey world. Today, we're going to be talking with Carolina Hurricanes owner Tom Dundon on the heels of the wildly successful stadium series in Raleigh, North Carolina on Saturday. But first, I need to tell you that Frankly Speaking is presented by ProLine Plus, not just another sports book. It's the only sports book that gives 100% of its profits back to Ontario. ProLine has been your local trusted sports book for over 30 years, now offering Ontario sports fans more ways to play in-store, online, or take the game on the go with the ProLine app with your favorite sports and events right at your fingertips. Download the ProLine app and bet in-app with ProLine Plus today or head over to ProLinePlus.ca to learn more. I'm super excited to talk to Tom Dundon today. He is 51 years old. He purchased the majority stake of the Carolina Hurricanes back in 2018 and then took over complete control of the franchise in June of 2021. He's an incredibly sharp guy to talk to. We went through all things from the stadium series and Hurricanes business side operations, season tickets, and the successes that they've had there to how he views building a Stanley Cup winner in the 2023 era. In addition to that, Tom Dundon got his start in the subprime automobile financing business. He's then uh the chairman of Dundon Capital Partners, where they're involved in all sorts of different investment vehicles and ventures, including Topgolf, Callaway Brands, Pickleball.com, and of course, the, the Carolina Hurricanes. Without further ado, let's dive in and start chatting with Tom Dundon. 
Tom Dundon, I'm standing in the Carolina Hurricanes locker room in the bowels of Carter-Finley Stadium on Saturday night. I look over and you poke out from one of the back rooms there, and I think you're doing some media interviews, and you have a giant smile on your face after the stadium series has wrapped up. What were you feeling? Yeah, I mean, it exceeded all our expectations. I think it was, you know, first of all, anytime you win, I feel pretty good. And so, you know, to be able to win and then um, – have everything turn out that way was was pretty special and very memorable. Did you have a favorite moment from Stadium Series? Just the winning part. I don't know. I just, <laughs> once we won, when you know, it's very rare in these games where you know that last ten minutes you feel pretty good. Um, and so, um, yeah, once you knew you're going to win, I got you know my family was there, and I think the, the big thing for me has always been when the players, when you can see that joy, you know, cause we're all kind of in this together. I feel like, and when you sort of, you get to see the players, the coaches, the fans and everybody has this sort of emotion and this genuine um, connection, everything we did. I think that's probably the thing I'll remember the most. For me, it was the scene. I mean, walking into that stadium, it was, it was a college football game day. Like you had the sweet smell of the Carolina barbecue wafting in the parking lots, the tailgates, going on for 10 hours, the band, the student section, all these different things going on. Yeah, the hockey was great, but it also kind of, you know, left me wondering, is there more to that when it comes to the NHL? Like, I know you, you know, you've got your arena right next door to Carter Finley Stadium there. Is there more to do there in that vicinity and environment? Could there be, I don't know, uh, what's the next iteration of that? Is there an arena district? Is there more to do, more connections to be made? Yeah, we're working now on kind of trying to work with the city and the state, NC State and the county to create um, some sort of entertainment district there, but also sort of protect the tradition and some of the things people like about having that much space. And, you know, yeah, I think for sure if you if we were able to accomplish that, um, it could take something that is really good and hopefully make it better. You mentioned exceeding expectations. Um I guess the NHL's expectations were exceeded as well. What kind of arm wrestling did you have to do in order to get that game there? Was it true that I'd heard something that you had to, did you guarantee to, to underwrite any losses that might come up? What, what was the story behind that? Yeah, when we first started, I felt like, you know, this was more for me, it was more about as we tried to change the perception of the brand and the team, you know, it takes time to, you, everybody says we're going to win. We're, you know, every year it's a new message. And I don't know that that was unique. So, you know, we needed an idea. We needed something to sort of get people to pay attention. And I felt pretty good that um, we'd probably have some success over time. And in that market with the stadium right there, and you saw the way um, that didn't have to be a hockey game. I'm glad it was, but it didn't have to be a hockey game. And we, and they, they do that kind of thing in this town. And so, you know, I was willing, I didn't care about the money. I just wanted the experience. And I felt like that was the most important thing. And it wasn't fair of us to expect the NHL to trust that it could turn out like that. Right. I mean, we hadn't done anything to prove that. And, you know, I give Gary a lot of credit because Gary was always um, very positive on the market. I guess he had seen things that I hadn't seen because I wasn't here when, when it was, it was doing better. And so, um, 
yeah, I was willing to take the risk. They didn't end up taking me up on that, which was too bad. I think I would have done a lot better if, if it would have been our game, but it was the NHL's game and we were happy to participate in it. So give me some details just from the business side on where your team is at. I know Don Waddell was saying before the stadium series that he's not sure an event like this is possible if your season ticket base doesn't ramp up. So where was it when you took over and where is it now? You know, there was a lot of brokers involved back then when I first got here. So I don't know the exact number, but I want to say actual fans didn't have, maybe there was 4,000 season tickets. Um, now we'll have a waiting list going into next season. You know, we're having to decide you don't want to sell too many season tickets because then new people can't participate and you want to make sure you've got that balance. Um, so yeah, we'll be, I don't know where we're going to cut it off 14 to 15,000 season tickets to try to leave three, 4,000 tickets a night for groups and new fans and just stuff. Um, but we're very fortunate. I really appreciate the support in the market and, um, but yeah, we're, we're very lucky that that's not, we used to only want Saturday night games because if you didn't have a Saturday night game, there wasn't many people there. And now we, we do pretty well every night and it makes it, you know, it's fun to be in a building that's full. Mm -hmm. There was 57,000 tickets sold for the stadium series. You couldn't get a ticket. How many do you think you could have sold? Like what, what would the ideal capacity have actually been? I don't think you'll ever know. My guess is, yeah, my guess is the number is higher. Um, it's hard to know, right? Because it's something you had to plan for, right? So as long as you had a lot of notice, the other problem with that question is I don't think once you get too many more tickets, those sight lines and that experience for those incremental fans isn't as good. So I kind of like it there. Um, I think the solution to that is try to do it on a regular cadence, hopefully. Um, so if you could do this every X number of years, then I think it solves the, how do we get everybody to experience it and participate? Could you pull it off with like the league support is, is incredible and what you get for that and helping set everything up. Could you do it on your own? Like, could you take one of your own home dates without the league and play it outdoors? So that was my original thing. And then when COVID started, I said, look, I'll buy the ice whatever makes ice, the trucks and the cooler. So we looked into it and I went to Gary and said, how about, you know, with, we're in a unique setup. It's right in our parking lot. It's a college town. You know, for us, it would make sense to do this once a year, have a week, do a game or two, practice the community. Last night, uh, NC State has a club hockey team and them in Carolina had 25,000 people there. Um, and it was, you know, a big party again. And so I thought that would be a really good idea. Now that I've seen how much work goes into it, um, I might have to walk back a little bit whether it would be a great idea for us to do it. So I'd rather do something like that every few years than do something smaller every year, I think, now that I've seen it. But before I had seen it, I thought doing something smaller, but you know, unique to us every year might be a really neat thing. Um, but the logistics, there's other stuff to do too. And I think we would have spent all our time just doing that and messed up a bunch of other things. Yeah. The logistics involved are incredible, but a big reason why people buy tickets and why they buy season tickets is because of the success that you've had on the ice. You've said, you know, from the time you got there, if you win, you know, people will show up and if you do it consistently. So let's, let's talk hockey. Like we're, 
10 days away from the NHL trade deadline. What would you say, what, what's the best way to describe the Carolina Hurricanes deadline philosophy? You know, we've, we've made lots of trades since I've been here. You know, I, I like, I don't know why I like transactions. It's, it was when I was working, I bought lots of companies and sold them and did deals and I just enjoy it. So I have to be careful sometimes that I don't just want to do deals for the sake of doing them. And I think everybody at this time always feels like, um, always feels like you need to do more, you know? And I think we're more in the want than the need. You know, we've got really good players, got a good record. Um, we'd have a better record if one or two things had gone our way. We haven't had a lot of luck and we're still doing really well. We've, we've, so we tend to avoided short-term decisions. So that's what we have to balance. Is there something we could do to make us better now, but we feel like in the long-term doesn't create, you know, too much damage. Um, I always tell everybody in the organization, we're going to want to win next year too. So you have to be very careful. They're going to play hockey next year and in two years and three years. And I want to win those games. Um, but it's hard not to look at where you are today and want to be a little bit aggressive. So we just got to find that balance. Is there danger in potentially playing it too conservative in the sense of, you know, I'm just looking at your team and, and where you've been and where you're heading. Um, you know, for instance, this summer, both of your goalies are free agents. And then you have the ability to extend Aho and Netchash and Pesci this summer. And, and Shea and, yeah, and Stahl. Yeah, exactly. And then you, you kind of go through this cycle year after year. And you guys have made it clear that you're not afraid to change up your roster. I mean, I was going back the other day and looking at all of the, the guys that were here last year that are no longer. And that's kind of been one of the real impressive things about what you've been able to do um, is assimilate new players in. But when you think about, you know, the window to win, is there a chance that, you know, I, everyone continues to use that term window. Is there a chance that you get through it and never really kind of had a shot to go further because you didn't arm your group with as much as possible? Does that make any sense? Sure. It does. And I, you know, I think, for the last four years, that first year, we were probably a little fortunate to get where we got. I think for the last four years or including this year, we're, we're good enough right now. Like we don't need to do anything. And the incremental value of doing something is, isn't very large because we're replacing a really good player, right? Someone, the person coming out, if we add a player is a good player. So the odds aren't going to change much. Um, having said that you'd like to get the best odds you possibly can. Um, by nature, I and I, you know, I, I grew up in a different situation than I'm in now. And so I've kind of always thought about the future and saving and planning and making good decisions. And, you know, and then you got to balance it with what you just said of, you know, how do you live for the day today? And it's a tough one. Right. And, and I, I think we're leaning on the more aggressive side than ever right now. Um, but why is that? Um, because we're, we've lost four years in a row when we could have won. Right. And so, but it's different than business in that, in a sense that hockey is a zero sum game, right? There's 31 teams every year that go home and don't win. A hundred percent. And that's the hard part is if you get another player or two, like I said, we're taking out a good player and over a seven game series, 
there's not a ton of extra value you can create. Over 82 games, better players create lots of value because the best teams tend to have the best records. Um, I think you can make a pretty pretty compelling argument that there's, you know, whatever the whatever the math is, 15 out of 16 teams, almost everybody does something and only one wins. So it cuts both ways. But yeah, I, having said that, I think we've got ourselves in a position with our the amount of assets we have for the future and the age of our team and and where we are that we can be we could probably be a little more aggressive giving up something in the future to increase our odds today without changing the window much whatever that means because I don't believe in the window thing like the reason we have so much turnover is we expect to be good every year and it's really hard for me to envision a time where we're not one of the better teams unless we do dumb things in the short term. So we're not going to do dumb things, but we may do things that on the margin um, are aggressive today. If you can find that balance where it doesn't just really hurt you in the future, because I don't think any, anybody who's not doing very well right now is happy about it. Right. And I know mm -hmm. we wouldn't be. So if I'm reading you correctly, what you're saying is, you may be aggressive at this deadline, but likely not for something that's incredibly short-term. I think that's a fair way to say it. But look, I change my mind all the time, right? So look, Rod's pretty persuasive and he wants to win really bad. So, you know, there's also a lot of other people involved and, you know, our group does a pretty good job of, of having all these conversations and trying to make the best decision. So you, you would never say never, but it hasn't normally been the way we look at things. We try to balance the short and the long term. And I think it's possible. It's harder, but it's possible. Mm -hmm. And it makes sense. I mean, you've been incredibly disciplined to this point um, and smart and prudent in your decision-making process. Um, I guess the way I was thinking about when I first asked the question was, I think with a team that's been as competitive and co really consistent as your team has been, one of the things that you probably want to guard against ultimately is just for a comparison to another sport, is becoming a team like the Oakland A's. And that's not from any sort of spending comparison. It's more from the, that's a team that's sort of in the mix every year. They make the playoffs very often, but they don't, they're never really considered a threat to win, right? Yeah, I mean, look, I I'm, I don't know what we're considered, but I'm 100% sure we're a threat to win. Like, that's not a question. Yeah. And so I don't think it's, I think the point of you can always get better is true and we want to. Um, I don't think whether we do something or not is gonna have a huge impact on our probability of winning. And if we don't do something and win, we'll be talking about how we trusted our team. We didn't, you know, we didn't mess up the chemistry. We we just were the best team, one of the best teams in the league and we went with it. And if we make a change in you know, so the outcome determines the narrative usually. And so I try really hard to look at where things are prior to when you have more information, right? Where were we when we had all the information? And your point's right. There are some things we could do to get better now without really hurting ourselves in the future. And we're trying. I, I promise we're trying. Nobody, Nobody's not trying that, but there's a cost, right? And we have to balance it. Mm -hmm. One of the things about breaking through and winning is that it's kind of incredibly random from time to time, you know, year to year, you can't explain it. Why is it that one iteration of a team that 
uh, wins the president's trophy, comes back six years later and has a roster that's probably worse than that one and ends up finally breaking through. Have you been able at all or attempted to to quantify uh, in your team, just how random this sport is, whether it's game to game results or overall season results? Yeah, I mean, I'm probably on the extreme of understanding or believing how random the short term results are. And that's the hard part about the playoffs, right? Making the playoffs is much less random. If you're a top five team going into the year, you almost always make the playoffs unless you have historically bad luck. Once you get in the playoffs, it's four coin flips and maybe it's a little better than that, but it's not much better than that. And anybody who wins was lucky. It's not, there's nobody who's so dominant in this sport. When you add in goalies and referees and only best of seven that you can ever put the odds in your favor so much that you know, you're going to win. Um, but I can, we can get ourselves in a position where going into the year, we know we're going to make the playoffs and, most reasonable scenarios and then after that it gets it gets more random and and uh um, and you're right eight seeds win the championship sometimes in the nhl but they don't do that in the nba for example how, i mean how else do you explain a team not being able to win on the road in the playoffs like what like you, there is no way to explain it no it's i mean it's because they didn't play enough games <laughs> you, they, you get enough games, they would win more. I mean, if you look at, like I said, if you look at the randomness of a, most games are three to two. You know, I don't know. Uh, there was a game last night. Guy makes whatever 45 saves, wins the game. If you didn't know the outcome and you just knew where those shots came from and how many each team had and made a bet, you'd be betting on the team that lost. That doesn't happen as much in other sports. And that's, you know, the fun part about this, but also sometimes frustrating. Yeah, so you were referencing the Rangers and Jets, and I think the Rangers had six expected goals and scored twice. So it's strange we're how it works. We've thought of that a few times. We're very rarely, if we lose, most likely, it's not to that extreme, but most likely something like that has happened. So I live with it. But this is a business that you've really never, there's no comparable in the sense of the randomness. Like, what's it like trying to stake uh so much on a sport that's decided at random frustrating yeah but it's not random for the regular season it's only random when the playoffs start because of short sample size and that's what makes it fun what are some of the other you mentioned uh goaltending and referees are there other factors that you've determined that add to the to the randomness i think it's more short sample size you know i think there's not a team in the league that over seven games couldn't beat us four out of seven that plays the nhl but there aren't many teams that could beat us over 100 games and so that's 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 the job right you got to look at it over a bigger sample size and get the odds in your favor but um that's how i look at it i don't think everybody looks at it that way if you're looking for plump lips that last you need to know about juvederm lip fillers 
With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. As you've watched a lot of hockey over the years, what else have you learned about the sport? What stands out to you? Like you've dug in and done the work and asked the questions, sat in the meetings and 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 learned. What what stands out at, to you about um, opportunity and the ability to you know continue to improve your team relative to others? I mean, I think the main thing is where we're where I feel really comfortable and part of the reason we've been able to have the turnover and still have success is, you know, we have this core of this core group of players and, and Rod and his coaches that I feel like as long as I, as long as we have that, it's the majority of solving this problem of trying to win consistently. And so I think that's the main thing. I don't think it's that much different than, other businesses and other things in the world, right? You got good people that work really hard, that care about each other, that care about the outcome. And then when someone new comes in, they can't help but participate. And if you don't have that, then somebody good can come in. It's no different than how we've all treated our kids, right? I'm very careful with who their friends were when they were little and what environments they get into, because I think the environment has such a big impact on productivity or behavior. So we just really focus on the environment and, you know, having Rod there and, you know, guys like Stahl and Aho and Svetch and Slayton, we've got, we're just so fortunate that we, we start off with this group of people who are just great people that work hard and somebody new comes in. It's so easy to just fit in and perform at your best level. And 
I don't know how we could do that again. Like we're just, we just have it. And we're, I feel very, very fortunate that, that we're in that situation. Well, and when you have it, you want to keep it, right? So we just talked about some of the guys that their contracts will eventually be up. How do you navigate that and then weigh that against, you know, the cap and age curves and all those other things? Uh, I guess a lot of groveling for the most part with a few of them, right? I mean, um, they're very important to us. And, and, you know, I know I don't try to tell somebody who's important to us that they're not <laughs> like these people are very important to us. And I hope that we're important to them. And, you know, usually we spend, we've been over the cap every year when you add in LTIR. Um, so we're going to spend it all. And it's easy to find, you usually find a way to work it out with someone who you value, who values the environment. So as long as there's a mutual sort of um, respect or admiration for what everybody brings to the table, I think we get these. I think those are the easy ones to tell you the truth. The ones that you you just got to have and and you got to have them because they add so much and they want to be there. And we usually I think we work that out. Mm -hmm. You mentioned the environment. I was curious with all the new people that you've brought in over the years, you know, around your core how much have you spent uh as a team investigating the personality fit that you're bringing in you know it's 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 a great question because there's definitely a lot of i played with him or who played with them or you know um i would say that for the most part um i'm not letting i shouldn't say letting i'm hoping very hard that this core group of people never leaves. So if someone is changing teams, you have to believe there's some reason. The question is, is the reason the player or the environment, right? And so I don't think there are many people in hockey that if you put them in the right environment that you can't get a lot out of them. And so we spend a little bit of time on it but more time, as I mentioned earlier, on us. And if we do it right, when people get here, um, we haven't had any problems. And I also don't believe in letting somebody's worst moment or decision or whatever impact how we're going to view them the rest of their lives. And so if someone's here and came from a situation that didn't work, they start fresh with us and we've had no problems. And, and, uh, you know, I, I don't think it's fair to judge people based on what other people say about them. We get them in here and, and, you know, I would say we've had maybe one or two times where it just wasn't the right fit. And, you know, we're very, we're very quick to move on from that. That doesn't mean it's the player's fault either. It just means they're not the right fit with us. Well, you've got sort of the ultimate bullshit detector in Rod, right? As soon as anyone enters the room, like he, he can sniff that out. Yeah, he's, I, I used to be around the team a lot and the first couple of years I wanted to learn everything and find out what was going on and make sure that we didn't have, you know, whether it's the trainer the trainers are very important. We're very fortunate. We've got great ones in there. They help the culture and you've got staff and there's all these things. And you're right. After, after you realize you've got all those right people knowing that rods there sort of means candidly makes me obsolete. Well, it allows you to spend time on other things too, while keeping an eye on the canes. Um, when you 
have have go when you go through that process and it always cracks me up to hear you know when someone new joins the hockey world oh he's not a hockey guy this guy's not a hockey guy whatever whatever it is there's always some sort of term that the insular hockey culture wants to label someone and they're sort of an outsider until they go through the process um what else have you learned about this sport you know being so close to it that has either surprised you or has has intrigued you you know, look, the, the guy, and I don't know if it's just us, but the people are just nice people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we don't have really any drama. Um, and that's important to me. I always ran my company that way. I just didn't want, I just felt like everybody, I want people to look forward to coming every day and I want them to all care about each other. And, you know, I'm lucky because Rod's a lot that way. You know, we don't scratch players. You know, you don't, we don't get into some of the things that maybe our motivational tactics used in other places. And it doesn't make people wrong. It's just I've always looked at it differently than that. I don't want to yell at people. I don't want to mistreat anybody. But we have very high expectations. It's tough, right? Because what do you do when you don't get the best out of somebody and you're frustrated? And it's easy to want to blame them. And I think we have to blame ourselves, right? If we don't get the best out of someone, we have to look at what we're doing. And I think Rod shares that philosophy. It's like, we're not getting what we want. What can I do different? And if everybody looks at it that way, it makes it easy. And so I've been very pleased with the fact that that's easy to find in this sport. There's just so many people who are accountable. And if everyone's accountable, this gets easy. Um, But there's, I'm not a hockey guy. I'm not never, I've never tried to be one. Right. I actually think it helps me because I've got lots of hockey people. Mm-hmm. They don't need another one, you know? So I, I have to bring a different perspective to it. And then I'm willing to have the debate and be wrong or let the decision be made different than maybe what I would do because I respect the fact that this is what these people do for a living. Um, and so you just find that balance, right. Of, too many hockey guys is a bad thing, but if you had a bunch of people like me, it'd be really bad. So you got to find, you got to find that, that, that equilibrium. But I'm glad you use the word accountable because that also involves to your point, being accountable yourself, right? Like I find that the biggest, you know, sort of clash between management and ownership at times is that, you know, they want to dabble here and ask questions there, but then want to come in and scream and stamp their feet when something doesn't go right. And if you're part of the actual process of asking the questions and you're, you know, you're putting in the work as you've done, that you also then take accountability for whatever decision-making process goes awry. And you're not going to come in and pound your fist on the table and say, you know, we screwed this up. You know, someone's head's going to roll for that. How how has that? Do you think management style helped you? Um, you know, these last few years navigating that. Yeah, I mean that's been the challenge, right? Because I agree with what you said, which is, if it goes wrong, it's my fault. That's it. Um, and that's so not, not traditional, by the way. Like that's usually the owner comes in from the treetops and says you I can't believe you screwed this up. You're out. Yeah, I don't get it. Like I, I agree to everything. I, I get the veto, right? I have it. I just don't use it. And so um, it wouldn't make sense to me. Like Rod, Rod's going to coach our team for, if he'll stay for 20 years, he's going to stay for 20 years. And if we don't win, it's going to be because we didn't get him good enough players. It ain't going to be because of him. 
And um, so, yeah, it's never been, I ran a company for 20 plus years and every day I went in there trying to fix the stuff I had messed up. I never looked at it. You know, I didn't ever look at it as, as somebody else's fault. And I think we've got a pretty good Don's the same way. And right. Like, I think we're very lucky that no one's looking to blame other people for what the group fails or you know, if we succeed, we do it together. If we fail, we fail together. And, um, to me, that seems obvious, but I agree with you. I was given the advice when I first got here, you know, hire a coach and a GM and if you, know, if you don't make the playoffs and start winning within three years and go find new people. And I find that absurd and it's, it's, it's not how I'm going to do it. Um, and if we were losing, then everyone would be telling us how dumb we are. Cause why are you sticking with that player or that person? And so it's easier to have this philosophy when you're winning. Right. That's true. Um, what is the next, what's the next frontier in hockey? What's the next innovation? What, what's on or off the ice? I don't know. It's a good question. I worry so much about the hurricanes and I don't think as much about the overall league. Um, you know, it's, it's, I haven't put a lot of time into that. I think seeing this event this week got me thinking about the fact that, you know, we found something that probably was unique to us the way this worked for that event. And it may not be the same for us with an all-star game or, you know, I don't know. So trying to really figure out for each market, what's, what can they do to add to the whole to help their market, but also do something unique. So that's what this weekend got me thinking about is we happen to hit on the thing that was perfect for us within the bigger picture of hockey. Um, and so hopefully everybody can find their thing. And a lot of people already have their things, right? They're great at lots of things all over the league, but that's what I found is I don't know that we were known for anything or, and now I think we have something that I think we can do and be additive to the, to the entertainment value of this league. Okay. So we started with stadium series and we'll end with it. Uh, what is the next big event that's going to be hosted in Raleigh for the NHL? I think I'd like to just keep doing that, like, you know, outside of the playoffs, which hopefully that's all the time. I'd like I was going to gonna say, I thing. thought you were going to say the Stanley Cup final. That ain't up to me. But yeah, if you're talking about that, I think, look, I think we're in a pretty good spot. But like we talked about earlier, I don't get to control that now. You know, we, we got a decent shot at it, though. It, it should be more than one if we do this right. Well, there you go. Thank you, Tom. Best of luck and really appreciate the chat. Uh, thank you for your time. Awesome. Thanks. Appreciate your time. Fascinating stuff from Tom Dunn. And I'm so curious to see just how aggressive those Carolina Hurricanes will be at the NHL's trade deadline. Everyone thinks that Timo Meyer has been on their radar. Let's see if they can go out and pull it off. Thanks to Tom Dunnan for joining us today for our conversation, which was presented by ProLine Plus. Not just another sports book, it's the only sports book that gives 100% of its profits back to Ontario. ProLine has been your local trusted sports book for over 30 years, now offering Ontario sports fans more ways to play in store, online, or take the game on the go with the ProLine app with your favorite sports and events right at your fingertips. Download the ProLine app and bet in-app with ProLine Plus today or head over to ProLinePlus.ca to learn more.
All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.